Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 2.3 FM and 106.5 FM. This episode of the House of Mystery is brought to you by Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. LegacyFoodStorage.com Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. 106.5 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Well, welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. And over there is Mr. David Rose North Martinez. <laughs> You're back Rose is to back. Rose today, Mr. Ah. Serial Killer. Well, I'm in a mood <laughs> to scream, right? You know, why not? Yeah. Yeah, you know. What am I going to do? I, you know, i got to get new headshots because mine aren't good enough. For oh, that's right. Book and Buzz magazine cover of the month, July. Jeez, I didn't even have to sleep with someone to get that. Wow. I know. That's, they obviously didn't that's read new. my books. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I would have never. I would have been inside the back cover. You know, bathroom <laughs> reading 2022. <laughs> you just go to Kmart. Get a photo. <laughs> There's no Kmart anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. in the dollar store, Bim. There we go. Yeah. Well, but I know that you have more in there than me. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> anyway, that's enough. That's enough of this. Let's get to the serious stuff. We got a real writer. That's right. So um, now the book, first book, called The Local, a legal thriller. And it's with the uh, author, Joey Hartstone. Uh, thank you for being on the show, Joey. Thank you for having me. He says with caution. <laughs> I wonder now, I see this as your first book, and um, but you've been doing uh, television and film writing, and that's kind of a different animal. And, and what made you jump over into doing something like this? Largely that the... the 
television and film writing dried up for me for a couple of years. So I, uh, I, I kind of hit an interesting point in my career where the TV show I was on, Your Honor, had just wrapped its first season and the pandemic hit and uh, there was no second season anytime in our near future. So I found myself with more free time than I'd had in about seven years. And I had this one story that I wanted to tell and I had envisioned it as a TV series but had just read the entire Lincoln Lawyer series because I had been up for a staffing position on that TV show, which I didn't get, which also helped free up my time. And I loved that series of books. And I had this legal story that I wanted to tell, and I thought I should try to do it as a novel and see what happens. Well, that's all right. The Lincoln Lawyer sucks. <laughs> no, it's such a good series. And they're doing really well. I'm happy for them. They, I liked everybody involved. I just It was a job I wanted and did not get. Yeah, well... Like I said, hey, and you, so Rob Reiner, you did a couple of films uh, directed by him. Is it, did, did you get to meet him and work with him, or no? Oh yeah, yeah, um, that was probably one of the more uh, entertaining experiences of my life. The uh, the first movie I did was LBJ, so I had written that script, and then when Rob signed on, it became a real movie, and we went and filmed it in New Orleans. So I was there with him for probably four months, and I got to work very closely with him. He did rewrites on the script, and we got to do that together. And yeah, it was a dream come true. Yeah, he's pretty amazing director. Actually, I like I like him a lot. So yeah, he. That's that's a highlight. Um, wow. So do you have to write things differently? But like you said this, because I know you're writing, let's say, for a series or, or a film. It's a different type of writing than writing a story in a book, even though you might see the local as something as a series. Isn't it, isn't it a different process for you? Yeah, writing a book was much more solitary. Uh, it sort of reminded me of writing scripts before anyone was reading my scripts, actually. Um but yeah, I, I'm used to now either working with somebody like Rob, who who has a lot of input and ultimately is is the real author of that project, or working in a writer's room on a TV show where I'm getting to work with seven, eight, nine other writers and collaborating every single day. Um, so this was much more solitary. I had a few very close, trusted readers, first and foremost, my wife, Abby. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a solitary endeavor and, and that was fun and liberating in some ways and also scary because I didn't have the benefit of a lot of people's perspective and input. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes that's good. Um, it can be. Yeah. Because it can go either way. It can, it can affect the way you write the direction and sometimes, um, sometimes change parts of the story that might not, might not end up working. Um, so when you get to this, like where, you said you had a story to tell. Um, so is this very personal for you? The character is personal for me. The this, this story came from a conversation I had with a friend of mine in, uh, who I had gone to college with, and he's an intellectual property lawyer, and he told me that his work was taking him away from Boston into this small town in East Texas. And as he told me about this, this place I'd never heard of that was actually the site of more patent infringement lawsuits than anywhere else in the country, I just became fascinated by this little town and the lawyers who work there and what goes on. And I just kept asking more and more questions over the weeks and months, and I knew I wanted to write about it. And it just was one of those stories that sort of slowly developed over a couple of years, and then the timing was right to really roll up my sleeves and try to tell this one. So when you tell this kind of a story, but um, you're using a, a, a real setting and, and reality in it, how do you develop a character into that? Like, how do you, how do you make a, a full character that has something that 
is is believable to to readers. Yeah, well, I guess I started with the circumstance because this character's job was so interesting to me. Uh, basically, what happens is is major corporations throughout the world are sued in this small town, and they're represented by big legal teams from major cities, but they have to have a local council on their team. And as, as this this venue became bigger and bigger, the out-of-town lawyers realized that these local attorneys could play a really invaluable role because they could communicate with the local juries in ways that the out-of-town people could not. And so I just I thought, okay, I want this character who's really good in a courtroom, who just is very savvy and also can connect with other human beings on this level, and he's sort of a hired gun. Um, so I started with what his profession was. I borrowed a bit from my life and, and then from a lot of other characters, from a lot of other legal thrillers that I loved and tried to come up with something a bit new. Well, the jacket copy mentions the uh, Byzantine world of criminal law. Did, did you have to simplify a lot to make uh, it understandable to the average person who isn't a lawyer but likes this type of a story? Yeah, I hope that I'm positioned fairly well to do that because I'm not a lawyer, so mm -hmm. my knowledge only goes so far. I, I wish I was a lawyer, and I thought about going to law school many times, but hopefully I have just enough understanding to write about it well, but not too much understanding that I go over people's heads because I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. And then the other thing was that because my main character was a patent lawyer, putting him in the world of criminal law was kind of freeing because he was allowed to make mistakes and to not know things about criminal law because that wasn't his specialty anyway. Uh, well, did you, so when you said it's an, um, important for you, the story, you were interested, did, was there a point under the story? Was there some sort of subtext you wanted people to get out of it? Yeah, a few themes emerged. There was some some father-son stuff that came up first with the main character and then with the a few secondary characters, and I realized that that theme was certainly in the book and probably an important theme in my life as well. Um, unresolved issues with parents, I think, you know, it's always good uh, fodder for material. And, and yeah, I wanted to, there's a love story in there. there. There's sort of a lot of little small characters that I liked. And I liked that this, this town is about 23,000 in population, which was about half the size of Flagstaff, Arizona, where I'm from. But I liked writing about a small place where everybody kind of knows each other and there are secrets there that outsiders are, are not privy to but that the the town itself was was it's a little trite but to say the town was itself a character and and the insider outsider nature of the story and of patent law here uh became a theme as well well so do you um expect any sort of a a backlash or any sort of a little bit of a rougher ride when you involve something like this and and with you know patent lawyer and and uh, small town and things like that. Do you, do, you, do you have to be careful on how you represent that? I wasn't too careful. I mean, I wasn't, I, I don't think you should write about real things and then be concerned about how the, how those subjects are going to respond because I think that affects the work. But also I think I treated it fairly. Uh, the few people who do pay attention to what goes on with patent litigation in East Texas are usually very critical of it. Um, the issue of patent trolling is very big, and that's where that's where people, usually lawyers, buy up patents that nobody is using, and they buy it up solely for the purpose of suing other corporations. Um, so when John Oliver and PR do a piece on the Eastern District of Texas, it's always very critical. And I, I wanted to get into a little bit of that, and I may get into it more if I get the opportunity to write another book but when I met with lawyers in, in Marshall, Texas, who do this for a living, I was really 
I was really taken by how much they love their work. And I like characters who are very passionate about what they do. So I think I shined a little bit of a light on some of, some of the uh, more negative sides of the profession. But it, there, there's also a romantic take to it because these, these people who do this love what they do. And they're very proud of, of where, they, where they live and, and what their work is. So I wanted to show that as well. Hmm. How do you, do you ever kind of set a, you know, say, um, set a certain amount of what you're going to include about yourself in, in, in let's say the main character or a character that you use that kind of is you? Well, the, 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 the main character delivers an opening statement in the first couple of chapters of the book. And, and it's all about a, a high school experience that he had. And then another character asks him if it's true. And he says, well, all the best stories are true. And I think that that's, that's right. That I think anytime I get a little bit tripped up or, or, or something feels insincere in one of my stories, I just go to the well of either myself or somebody that I know very well. And I think if you tell something authentically like that, uh, it comes across. So if for no other reason than a, as a, as a cheat to, to come up with a more multidimensional character, I think borrowing from my own life makes it easier. How do you experience your characters? Do you have, an inner monologue. Can you hear the dialogue uh, in your head? Is that is that how you um, uh, you, you create uh, uh, your characters? Yeah, that's usually when I when I really feel like I, I've finally gotten to the point where I can write it. Is I mean, it's another cliche, but like when your characters start talking, when I start thinking about it, I don't have to really work that hard to think about how this particular character w- would speak in a certain situation. Uh, then I know I'm ready to, to kind of go forward. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm from Arizona, which is not Texas, but it's not far enough removed that, that I don't have a pretty good understanding of how people from that state speak. And so more than a lot of characters I've written, I, I think I felt closer to this character. And so it wasn't that difficult to step into his shoes. So in essence, you're hearing voices. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're still talking to me. I hear at least two right now. Oh, David, David and Al. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, well, the important thing is, do you wake up at, in the middle of the night and find mud on your shoes or something? <laughs> Shovel by yes. the bed, you know, something. With the devil and the angel on your shoulder. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. I haven't figured out who's who yet. But. Yeah. Well, you, you never you never know till it's too late. That's right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but you ever feel like a little bit of being vulnerable some somewhat by exposing some of your own feelings like and i say this because you know it used to be when as a writer or something you would do things and there was very little access to to you by everyone but now with the internet and social media and websites and all this sort of stuff people you're really exposed to everybody all the time and people can say um anything they want sometimes even pick out things that you've maybe ex- you know expressed in your own feelings or beliefs in something in a, in a story or the character and they can turn around and kind of put it down does that sort of do you are you cautious of that or yeah that's a really good question i think i've evolved over the past like 20 years in my writing with that i, I remember when i first started writing I, I was deathly afraid of exactly what you said i didn't want to reveal too much of myself i'm a fairly private person i wasn't really on social media until this book was getting published and then i knew i had to be um so yeah i did try to conceal parts of myself but i found that the writing was better when i didn't do that and then honestly as i think i hit my late 30s i married my wife I think I got just more comfortable that I, I am who I am. Hopefully I'm always a work in progress, but I, I 
just don't feel as compelled to try to hide it or, or put put a lot of makeup on it and try to convince you I'm someone who I'm not. Yeah, and, and makeup makes you break out anyway. Exactly. <laughs> no, take it from Dave. You know. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you. I, so with something like this, you said you you were thinking of it. It could be a series and stuff. Would you would you turn something like this into a into a series or something like that or? Yeah, definitely. I you series of books or TV yeah, series? Either one. Both. Either one. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely envision this as as an ongoing character. So I, I have a couple ideas for what the next two books could be, and then I hope I'll be pitching this as a TV series probably early in 2023. And uh, yeah, I would love to see both of those things happen. Do do when you sat down to write this, did you have in mind? Um, yeah, the beginning, middle, end, do you have it all outlined or is this sort of something like where you have a question, you create a character and then you just run with it? Yeah, I do, most of my work I think is in the outlining phase. So I try to plot everything out, especially if there's a mystery component to it because I don't like no, not knowing where I'm going. So yeah, I have a very thorough outline. I spend more time working on the outline than I do on the first draft because I, I just want to know where I'm going. And every once in a while, something new or surprising happens, but that's pretty rare. And I think it's only because I've already plotted out my course ahead of time. Now, even though you um, you write with an outline, um, do, do your characters ever surprise you and kind of rebel against that outline, whether, whether it's in you know, the novel that you've written now or uh, in in uh, your TV writing? Yeah, it happens from time to time. And it's usually, uh, yeah, they're rewarding moments and they're exciting, but it doesn't happen that much. I, I, I'm a big researcher. I, I do a lot of thinking about what I'm doing and crafting the story before time. But yeah, the few times where I feel it going in a different direction or even better when it just sort of happens, uh, yeah, that's always a thrilling moment. Do, do you ever get... Um bogged down in in things um like research or or something and it kind of interferes with your writing yeah that's definitely a trap you have to look out for so the two movies that i wrote were both based on on real people and real events and so research is a is a you know an integral component to that but uh it, as we all know as writers, that you're always looking for something to do other than writing and researching can be as good of an excuse as anything to not write. So you do have to hit a moment where you, where you decide you've, you've learned enough to, to start onto the next step. Yeah. Well, I would imagine the LBJ would have been real controversial, you know, being 2016, Rob Reiner, and there's – and I say that because 16 we had uh, the Trump influence and we we're so many – conspiratorial thinkers out there and there's a lot of people that there's such a love hate for LBJ there's people that think he killed Kennedy that he's you know he's the 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 reason everything bad is in the world and then there's people that love him so when you're on that kind of a platform and you have Rob Reiner who's very public um, mm -hmm. left Democrat person I would imagine that it would be very um, I don't know. You would have to think a lot about how you're writing. Well, the, it was really interesting because we did two movies. They were both somewhat political, and they both came out after the 2016 election, but they were both completed before the 2016 election. So there were always people trying to read into what we were saying, but we had not foreseen the election. So when, when I was writing LBJ, the, the, the 
the comparison I made was I was looking at Johnson and I was looking at Kennedy and here was Johnson, the sort of older statesman with a lot of experience, but not a lot of charisma who had seen this other person take the job that he wanted. And it was a younger, more charismatic and intriguing person. And it felt very much to me like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, that it was sort of the similar type of dynamics between the two of them. And so I thought, well, this will feel like perfect timing when Hillary's elected, because I, I think there are some similarities between her and Johnson. And then Trump got elected. And so then there were all these pieces written about how they were both, how Trump and Johnson were both vulgar and trying to find you know similarities and, and themes that would connect to Trump, but that was not really in my mind. I mean, I don't even think Trump was a candidate when I started writing that script. Oh, come on. You planned it. You're part of the conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Are sure you were one of those lizard people and George Soros and all that stuff? Come on. It, it didn't work then. I should have written something that would have gotten more people in the theaters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He should have been lizard. You know, he had, yeah. he had, to, he had dry skin. Um, yeah. I, I just think that it would be very crazy because people became very um, aggressive and it wouldn't be hard for someone to call you names at this particular time you know well you know Lyndon Johnson is such an interesting figure because and a bit of it is from the time where he's from but he's he was socially fairly liberal on a lot of policies he was also racist he also is probably more responsible than any other president for the Vietnam War um, he was a Southerner, so it, it, it wasn't it wasn't as if I had written, a, say, a movie about George W. Bush, and I would expect you know people would think, okay, I'm a liberal Hollywood person, so I'm it's going to be critical. So you could kind of be critical of Lyndon Johnson without even necessarily revealing what your politics are, and it seems that there were. You know, there were Republicans of the time that didn't like him, but there were also all the anti-war protesters in Johnson's day that also didn't like him, and they're usually much more left-leaning. So I, I guess there was enough hatred to go around for LBJ that I wasn't too worried that anyone was going to be all that upset. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always that way because uh, uh, people try to, I think, assign, let's say, how the 1960s and LBJ would be to, a, let's say, a liberal conservative now in 2020 and that's just not gonna it's a different animal really yeah yeah well i'm rob reiner used to talk about that all the time because he would say i hated lbj lbj was my enemy i was against the vietnam war i thought i was going to get sent to my death because of lbj but then this movie is about the passage of the civil rights act and we started talking about the great society and some of the legislation that he got through and and what an incredibly um liberal agenda that actually was until the vietnam war really uh, tanked his presidency so yeah he's a, he's a complicated figure yeah i think that's with a lot of people you know we see a lot of that with um today's time even because um people are more concerned about what perhaps your politics are or perhaps some of the things you say or do um rather than the achievements you make or what you're actually fighting for so i think that's kind of a a, a difference in our times but that leads me to asking, when you write something like this and when you get into this patent lawyer and, and the book The Local, um, are you focused or even concerned with political correctness or, or how you have the characters behave or speak? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I wanted, I, I think it was, one thing I had to focus on was, like I said, the, the main character was certainly taken a little bit from myself. Um, but like, you know, I, I am 
I am someone who, who has lived in Hollywood for almost 20 years now, and this character lives in a small town in Texas. So I think it made sense that he was probably liberal, that he could be a Democrat, that tort reform would be an issue that would be very important to him and he wouldn't want to see it. So I, I could kind of guess what his political leanings would be. But at the same time, you know, that's a part of the country where everybody owns a gun um, and, and it's a very conservative part of the country. So a liberal in East Texas is going to be different than a liberal in Hollywood. And I wanted to, I never wanted that character to not ring true. So I did have to, at times, ask myself, is that is that really the character or is that just me? And then try to tailor something to be more authentic to an East Texan. Yeah, I, I would see that would be very, you, you would really have to give that a lot of thought because you want to make sure you're right. It rings true. If people have to believe in the character or you lose. Yeah, for sure. And and I don't, I, I don't necessarily want to write a character that I disagree with him on everything, but at the same time, I, I don't need to, I don't need my characters to, to be reflections of me entirely. And I don't need to hear my own political views spouted through all of my characters. Cause I feel like that would just get aggravating for anyone in the audience or any other readers. So it, it's also fun to embrace somebody who's slightly different than myself and, and see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. You want to reach a certain level of fame before you start just putting yourself in everything. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, then you get like Dave there who's, uh, Oh yeah. Everything he does is Dave, 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 Dave. Yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, but you know, he's a star. But I mean, I get oh yeah, sure. I get a little tired sure. of that myself. <laughs> Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, oh, boy, you're off the show for two weeks now, but <laughs> um, happens fast. Yeah, it does. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, the queen. So <laughs> when you when you finish a project like this and you look back at it, do you, do you see things in your writing that you prefer to change now? Yeah, there's always that, that point. And it, it was really hard with, with the book because when, it, when it's a movie, it's not, I don't really have final say over anything. So it, it, in some way I, that can be frustrating because you, you want to have more control, but in another way it's liberating because I, I don't have control of it. So I can kind of let it go and know that I'm not going to be the final arbiter of anything. And with the book, that just wasn't the case. So yeah, going through it and thinking, wait, is this the actual last draft I'm ever going to read? And, and and that combined with how much time it takes to read through a manuscript versus a screenplay or a teleplay, you can only do it so many times. And uh, yeah, it's a little scary to let it go, knowing that you are solely responsible for all the words in there. You can't blame an actor's performance or a director's vision or anybody else. It's just you. Yeah, because your name's on the cover. It should be, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I wish my name wasn't, but you know, but if your name's on the cover, the book stops there, right? So it's yeah. kind of it's kind of you. It's not like you can pass it to the director or producer or all the other stuff and kind of, you know. Oh, that's yes. interesting. So, do things like um, what's going on in your life affect how your writing comes out? And I say this because you know. We've been through some pretty weird times during the time probably you were writing this. I'd imagine the last couple of years. So you've got this, you know, pandemic and you've got anti-mask and you've got anti-vax. You've got all this stuff going on around you, outside your door, people dying and all this stuff. Does it sort of seep into your writing and make it darker? Yeah, it definitely could. Uh, so this manuscript was completed, I think, in the, at the end of summer of 2020. So the pandemic had certainly begun, but not everything that you mentioned had, had fully taken shape. But I would say more it was really the personal 
parts of my life. Like I said, there's a, there's a real father son dynamic to this, even though the father character is no longer alive. Uh, my father died about 12 years ago. So I think that was still something that I hadn't really written much about and I was interested in exploring. And then, um, this, this, my main character's wife has also died before the book begins. And, and that was actually, I think what happened is I, I got married to my best friend and, and all of a sudden I had this, this huge fear that I, that she wouldn't be around forever. And I, it was, it was, it was a fear that I found was just starting to plague me and I felt like I needed to confront it and deal with it. And so putting it into the story was a way I was sort of able to do that. And I think kind of put it to rest a little bit, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how that is. Um, how many books do you think will be in this series? Oh, I hope at least a dozen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I have at least three that, that I really would like to write. And, and yeah, even, even if I'm fortunate enough to write other things, I, w- I would love to just every once in a while return to Marshall, Texas and this character and, and see what they're up to. Well, yeah, and you got to put someone in that, like me. you got to have a character like me. Obviously, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I'll try it. Who, who, are your, who are your influences in your writing itself? And that, that's a very generic stock question, but I also go for um, people that influence you, let's say, that are not writers. So do you have sort of, is there music or is there other forces at work here? Yeah, um, the the writers would be sort of the the obvious ones, uh, Scott Turow and John Grisham for sure, and then Michael Connolly as well. And um, I'd say Aaron Sorkin as a screenwriter was was certainly one of the reasons that I, I wanted to become a screenwriter. And beyond that, I, um, I would say honestly, lawyers. I, I really it is really a profession that I, I wish I had tried, and, and I, I admire people who go to law school, and I'm envious of of their education and, and what they can do with their lives and and so yeah anytime some lawyer is unfortunate enough to cross paths with me i'm going to try to corner them and ask them endless questions about what they do boy or you know lawyers are not necessarily like that well you know well i'm fortunate enough that i have several in my family and close circle of friends so uh, i i haven't met a lot of lawyers in circumstances where where you wouldn't want to encounter one at least yeah well do you watch the people's court? I do not. <laughs> Should I? Well, I just I'm just throwing it out there to see what happens. Maybe Judge Judy or something. Maybe you'll be the next TV judge. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I saw Steve Harvey on yesterday, so I guess anybody can do it. Well, anybody can nowadays. It's, come on, this is the capitalist way. We're going to make yeah. we're going to make a start of you here. So you know, yeah. you figure out what figure out the angle. You kind of look like you could be a judge. I could see you in a black robe and being real mean. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jeez. I, <laughs> I, it's not a, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn the job down. I'm only 40, though. I don't know. And with no legal experience. So, well, so maybe, maybe, a, maybe I missed the boat on when, who was going to appoint me then to a judgeship. Well, you should have got in when Trump was there. Come on. What do you think? Exactly. Let's get on. Yeah. You could be on the Supreme Court right now. <laughs> I could be. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go there. That could be rough. Um, well, what what do you got coming up next then? Are you just going back to work, work for like TV and stuff, or are you going to jump on another yeah. book? No, I'm working on the second season of Your Honor, which is a show on Showtime that stars Brian Cranston. So that should be coming out. Uh, I think the first episodes will air at the end of the year, and that should keep me busy till 2023. You know, he's he's an interesting guy too. How do you how do you um, make things or keep things fresh, I guess, in stuff, something like a series writing. Because I would imagine writers like you are inundated. Um, there should be a ton of work with all these streaming services coming up now, or is that wrong? No, that's right. It's a really good time to be a television writer in particular. When I when I, I got my master's degree in screenwriting, and at the time, most, most people, most of my fellow students wanted to be film writers, and there were already more jobs in TV than film, but but now, ten years later, it's it's so much more so that almost every writer you know at least does some work in television if they're working professionally. Yeah. What what um, do you kind of use some of the same ideas over again when you're doing stuff like that? Of course, no one listens, yeah. so don't worry about that. Yeah, you got you recycle the good ones for sure. Um, hopefully, put a new spin on them so that no one knows. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the way you just keep it fresh is is honestly the writers' rooms. I'm in a writers' room right now with nine other writers, and and there's twelve or thirteen people in there on any given day, and and that that's the most helpful part of the creative process is just having a lot of different people and a lot of different perspectives and put them all together, and something new should come out of that room every day. But there must be one person in that room you hate. It's just myself. <laughs> no. Oh, come on, give us some names. Give us some. No, here. no, no. It, it it's really fun, especially having written the book and, and doing this experience. It is fun to get back into a room. I hadn't been in a writers' room since I think 2018. So, and I hadn't hadn't really had a job that took me out of the house in a long time. Not that this takes me out of the house. It's all on Zoom, but metaphorically, I get to leave the house for a few hours. So it's fun. Is there a lot of pressure writing for TV? Yeah, well, so I'm I'm actually the showrunner of the show this season, which is a new new role for me, and that that has a lot more pressure than uh, than the old jobs. But uh, yeah, there, there's pressure. I, I think most of it is on the showrunner for the for the writers' room. You're really trying to deliver for the showrunner and and get outlined stories and scripts into them, and then the showrunner has to deal with actors, directors, sort of every other department, and, and it's pressure, and it's a, just a, a lot of different things to juggle at once. Yeah, especially with these, you know, highfalutin actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's 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 fun getting to getting to know the actors a bit. Now, I mean, it used to be different in television, but now a lot of TV writers really don't get to go to set. They don't get to meet the actors and directors. They don't produce their own episodes, and and it's sort of a bummer. But um, yeah, it's nice to be able to have the opportunity to do that. Are you going to give us some gossip? 
<laughs> I don't have any gossip yet. I have not left this writer's room, so all I can tell you is about the writers that I work with, and writers aren't interesting enough. None of us are, so <laughs> yeah. No, we don't we'll, we'll see writers. after we film it. Yeah. No, oh, I, I want some no. gossip. Come on. I want some I, I, I have not met any of the actors yet, so I don't know anything, but okay. I'll try to get some for the next time well, you have Get me. some and, and make something up if you can't, right? I mean, okay, I'll try. Um, now, now uh, how do you like to interact? I guess, like you said, you weren't really a social media and stuff, so... What's the outlay now? You, you've got like a website, you've got social media accounts. Where can your your favorite fans and readers find you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have a website, joeyheartstone.com. I'm, I'm at JC Heartstone on Twitter and Instagram. And, yeah, you can find me there at any of those three. And, and um, yeah, this is an interesting experience because – when you're seated between Rob Reiner and Woody Harrelson, nobody wants to talk to you. Uh, and so that's what I'm used to, but now it's just me. And so if anyone bothers to read the book and they want to reach out, I guess I'm the person they're going to want to talk to. So I'm yeah. looking forward to, yeah. to do that. Well, we recommend all hate mail going there and everybody yes. that's upset, please. I will read it all and take it all very <laughs> take personally, it all I assure you. Personally. <laughs> you know, you'd be like me. You just go after them, you know, just, just yeah. take them out. You know. No, you you know those people who say they don't read bad reviews. I don't I don't know if they're ever telling the truth, but I won't even pretend that that's not true. That that would be my way. Uh, I will read anything negative about myself and believe it all. Yeah. <laughs> to my core. <laughs> well, you know, you can take two aspects. You know, I get I get a um, a lot, and <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> okay. it's the best way. <laughs> he said, "I bet." Yeah, yeah. But the best way <laughs> to deal with it is either you you just say, "Yeah, you're right." Absolutely. I cannot write. Everything you say is right. Or you can always say, look, I don't go to your job and slap the sailor's cock out of your mouth. So don't, yeah. don't tell me how to do my job. So let me tell you, that's the two best ways. Okay. And you get even more of this same mail, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let me tell you, we're going to have... All of that up on our website so people can find you with one click and then they can cool. kind of pass on their, their love for you, you know. Great. Um, so we appreciate it. Um, now, the book we're talking about is called The Local, and the author is <laughs> Joey Hartstone, who's, who's been our guest. And um, like I said, please, he, ne he needs money, so buy the <laughs> book, okay, so that he can start having his own series, you know. People, get on it. You know, so well. Thank you, thank you for being here, Joey. This is thank a, you for having me. <laughs> been a thrill. I had a blast. Yes. We interrupt our programming. This is a national emergency. Important details will follow. Are you prepared? Legacy food storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha 990. I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or s something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. Hey! GoPhone, only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T, your world delivered. Now back to the show with Alan Dave. Did you fall asleep? Uh, I'm awake now. (laughs) How can you fall asleep when the shows are so exciting? That's true. Well, I was up with my cat, you know. Up with you. Cat yeah. ear medication. Yeah, your poor pussy. What's <laughs> what's so? Um, well, he'll be okay, won't he? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it's yeah, just, he's just been a little bit. He's got a little ear infection, and then the medication that they gave him was a little bit strong for him, I think, and it made him kind of lethargic, and oh, so they yeah. had him, and we taking him off of it for a little bit and we're going to observe him. He seems to have gotten better from the air infection. So we'll see. It was only like three days yeah. on the medication. So we'll see if we need to give him something else or. Yeah. But you know, you get, you get nervous. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, but you should um, maybe stop giving him whiskey. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. Well, I'm just, he's become a drunk. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe cut back a little bit on the booze. Yeah, we, you know we we cut it with uh, you know Seven Up. <laughs> you start Seven Up. You know, yes. he's got to watch his sugar you're right. intake. You're right. right. You're right. Just do a little cut there, you know, and stuff. You know, It'll work. Crazy. So so we so I say so you were at the um, Johnny Depp Amber Turd uh, hearing. Hey, you were out there screaming. Oh sure. With well, all I was, the girls I was, wasn't I? Wasn't I, uh, you know, doing a man on the street interview or something? Or? Yeah, and you were hanging out with journalist. all the girls, and they were all screaming, Johnny, 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 and you were yeah. up there. Yep, and I was right with them. Yeah, and he won. <laughs> That's great. Did he, yeah. did, he, did he end up in his hotel room? Or? Um, there, there are no pictures that I know of, so <laughs> I don't have to... Uh... Oh, come on. I have to answer that. <laughs> yeah. So I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Eighth, ninth. I plead anything I, plead I can. You know? I plead them all. Well, it could be worse, you know. Um, yeah. could be worse. So I hear she's gone broke now, eh? Oh, yeah. So she's, think... she's claiming for bankruptcy protection. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and that she can't afford to pay her, her legal fees. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, didn't she get kicked off of Aquaman 2? Yeah, Aquaman 2 decided not to use her. So Yeah. This might really ruin her career. Yeah. 
take a big at least for a while yeah for a while i mean you could you know probably five ten years you'll be yeah i mean you'll be doing some b shows on netflix (laughs) shark movies yeah she'll be in shark sharknado 18 sharknado 18 and and uh, she'll be like a little character, not even a main one. So yeah, <laughs> you know, someone that gets killed off right away. You know, oh. but uh, so okay. So I saw Interception and in Interceptor. I guess I should say Interceptor. Yeah, Interceptor. It's on uh, Netflix, hmm. and it was their number one movie. Now it's number three, I guess. Oh. And it's by the Avengers. Chris Hemsworth is the oh. executive producer of this action thriller. <laughs> and um, yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of it's different but the same. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, how is it? I haven't even heard of it yet. Well, because it's uh, there, there's the two bases that can shoot down a nuclear bomb coming toward America. Okay. And they kill off everyone in one. And there's this woman, uh, an army captain, and she has to protect the second one against Russians, of course. And um, yeah, no, it's kind of the same. Okay. I mean, it's fine, but it's kind of the same. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so she's kind of, um, yeah, that's all I can say. The action is typical and, and you're going to get no surprises in it, but I mean, if you want an action movie, it's fine. Okay. You know, I'd say take it or leave it. Hmm. Uh, but if you feel like an action movie, it's fine. There's nothing too far out or nothing too weird or okay. bad in it. It's, it's just a good old action movie, but there's, there's nothing new you're going to see in there. It's your normal. Yeah. And Stranger Things was out, and I can't. I couldn't get through episode mm. one of that series. My wife is watching that, and I, I have zoned out. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I thought the first two seasons, and that was fine. But after that, there's just, uh, it's just, I don't know. Something's not happening for me. You know what was good about it, though? What? One of the characters, I think it's Max. I could be wrong, because I, I'm only partially watching it yeah she was wearing um what is it the realistic nova 45 headphones oh <laughs> from like 1986 or whatever and i own those i recognize them so that's the best thing about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was cool I, that, that was the coolest thing for me wow well, yeah that yeah. was the coolest thing for me i'm like oh i own those headphones i actually paused it and ran up to the screen and you know the uh, the 4K is good enough that I could actually read the uh, the the, the uh, numbers and stuff. Wow. And I'm like, oh, that's that's the uh, that's the realistic Nova 45s. I had those. <laughs> so you pause it and run up to the screen, and you're just like you're breathing and steaming up the screen. And, yeah. And just to see over that. headphones, over headphones that you know. And you yeah. got a sick cat. Come on. Yeah, sick cat. Well, this was a little bit before the cat got sick. Well, well, there you go. You spot it all. I miss all these good details. Boy, what would I do if I didn't hear from you? Well, yeah, I know, right? Well, I think it's only just because, you know, I had those. I was really into audio at that point, and yeah. I was, uh, you know, and of course, I, I only could afford so much, so 
Those weren't the greatest headphones, but they look cool. So, at least for the time. Yeah, doesn't take which, long to like that. Yeah, which which is what matters when you're you know bopping around outside. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they look good. Yeah, they look cool. It's not how you feel; it's how you look. It's how you look, darling. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, so so I I broke down. I saw the new uh, Black Light, which is the new um, Liam Neeson movie. Yeah, I don't think that's available in the states except for pay. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's a. Uh, well, I don't at Netflix. I didn't see it. Let's just say don't pay. Don't pay. <laughs> okay, I saw it for free. We're part of the the test crew in Canada, yeah, I guess. Canada, but yeah. let me tell you, no, not good. No, that's, no, that's disappointing. It's mm-hmm. it's actually well. Uh, okay, let's say this. It's okay. Only because it's better than that last movie he made movie. with the trucks <laughs> on ice, right? Yeah, the trucks on ice. That was awful. So when you compare it to that, this is an Oscar winner, <laughs> right? But again, it's the same. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too old because it's the same old thing where he has to, uh, um, you know, he's he's this ex-agent. Yep. Got to be. Doing some work on the side for the head of the FBI. Yeah, who's out killing people, and of course, so he has to end up. They they take a, his granddaughter and daughter, like that hasn't happened before. No, that's never happened. Like the last thing you want to do is take ne- Liam Neeson's He's daughter, daughter <laughs> right? Because <laughs> the serious set of skills. Yeah, because no matter what, he will find you, and, and he, he will, will kill kill you. <laughs> and so that's really what happens, you know. That if you break it down to the very basic part, he finds them, and he has to kill off uh, Aiden Quinn, who's the head of the FBI, which it all happens just the way it's supposed to. So it, there's there's absolutely nothing new other than this. Kills good? Yeah. This, no, you, you, nothing too exciting, actually. They aren't like real heavy-duty karate sort of garbage. There isn't any wild shooting. They're, you know, they shoot people and they die, but there's no... It's it's not... Like I said, it's it's okay but I wouldn't pay. Yeah. Do not pay for this movie. <laughs> I mean, if you can get it free and you and you want to see some action and shooting, yeah, sure. It's fine. And you want to, and if you like the idea of Liam Neeson getting his daughter back, you've got it. This is it. This is your movie, <laughs> but it's kind of what he's done before. So, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more hmm. to be honest. I was kind of hoping there would be a little bit more, umph to it you know or and yeah a little something else yeah you know it even starts out like political you know you got some woman running and she's talking about politics and stuff and the problems that are in today's world and and you just think oh god this is like really bad yeah and then it gets into this into the action and killing so it kind of gets okay yeah But it's just, it's not, like I said, believe me, do not pay for that movie. I will not. I appreciate it. You'll be depressed. You'll go, I can't (laughs) believe I paid for this. this You know, just, it's not worth it. Just say no. No. Yeah. So that's, you know, that was kind of like my uh, big movies, which most of it isn't that great. So. It's kind of all right. Jack asks, 4.5. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, lasted about 20 minutes. Yeah. You actually lasted that long? Well, only because I was working on the computer. Yeah. 
so I had I had other things going on in my mind, yeah. but um, it's just I don't. It's not even like I remember some of the jackass things. 10, 20 years, 15 years ago, and there were some funny bits, right? Yeah. It wasn't all good, but it was there would be a few funny things. There was just nothing in this. Wow. It took it, I mean, 20 minutes, they were just rolling around laughing and you know, doing just talking stupid. It's like being at a party where everyone's drunk and you're not drunk yet. Drunk. <laughs> and everyone's just goofy. Yeah. And it's and there was nothing really going on. They probably their bodies can't take it. Well, yeah, I guess apparently uh, Knoxville cannot do another movie. And he said this is the last one he's doing. He said there might be a a younger team because they hired new ones for this. And and he might produce and keep running it, but he won't be doing the stunts. And apparently his eye popped out, eh? Oh, yeah, I think I heard about that. Yeah, and so that's – so he's kind of gone as far as he's going to go doing it. But there wasn't that much in this, really. Um, Yeah. You know – it was kind of strange. Um, when your eye pops out, you know. We've gone when your far. eye pops out, you know. Oh. <clears throat> when you can snatch the eye from my head, you know it's time to quit. Oh, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine? No. 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 See, that makes it snatch the eye from my head. <laughs> I just got that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but bum, that makes bum, that bum. makes <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's not a good movie. Okay. No. Another one. It's another one. But again, it's free up here. Yeah, so, hey, so it's free. Then. It's free, and you're really bored. It's noise. Yeah, that might be available. It's here. as good as Judge Judy. But <laughs> but let's not get serious about this. Do not pay for it um, because there's just nothing in it, you know. <laughs> I was really, really disappointed and didn't even last, you know. And yeah. even the, uh, you know, and if you've been watching the new um Kids in the Hall. I thought you were a fan. No, I haven't yet. You told me about it, though. I think. Yeah. Again, don't pay for it. Hmm. It's, it's so not. dated. It's so dated. It's the same old jokes. If you if you've seen them before, you're not going to get much new other than they're all gray. <laughs> you know, I, I was. You know, it's not that. It's okay. Again, yeah. Do not pay. I crush your head. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. They had a big... your head, and these are the Daves I know. <laughs> yeah, and they have that. They had that whole thing going on again. It's yeah. the same kind of jokes. Um, not a whole lot new in it yet. Um, they're just so... trying to work off a of nostalgia. Yeah, and that's what they're doing, and that's fine. Yeah. If you've never seen it before, um, maybe it'd be okay. Yeah, but uh, uh, it's not anything I would. Uh, Right home about. Is it politically incorrect today? You know, there could be a few spots, you know, <laughs> yeah. with, especially especially when they have the, the doctor with the baby dropping. <laughs> the guy that dropped the doctor that drops babies and his, his ratings, like he only drops 50% of the babies or something. <laughs> He's good. So, and they're kind of like it's slipping in it. There's a few points that would might get a little bit of, mm. you know, slap back but i don't think enough people are watching it to really probably it's it's not like the a show out there it's not like everybody's watching it so yeah you know it's kind of one of those so (laughs) i don't know you know back then we just didn't care well care about anybody's feelings i think it was people have to realize (laughs) that the joke isn't necessarily mean you don't like that person Yeah. yeah it's just funny it just it's just about making fun of a situation 
So, yeah, exactly. You know, I, anyway. So, well, and the man that filled his bladder and penis with foam. Oh. <laughs> Had We're surgery. back to that? Well, he made it out of surgery. Well, that's good. And it's going to work. <laughs> it's going to work again? Yeah, just so you know, just in case anybody well, was in suspense. I was. You know, it, it is going to be functioning again. So That's and, good. That's and not only that, more good news we got on here. The Indian man that chopped off his own penis <laughs> for a greater good after smoking weed. Oh. Did I tell you about him? Uh No. Oh, well, he was, um, he got some marijuana legalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he smoked it. But I guess they probably had some psychedelic in it or something went wrong, yeah. wrong here because. A little bit of uh, angel dust. Yeah, this, because this is just on May 19th. So this isn't too long ago. So this man, um, after he smoked it, uh, he had this reaction, unusual reaction. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so, and he felt, now get this, this is a really kind of crazy. So according to him, he said he felt an overwhelming, intense feeling of guilt because he smoked drugs and he had always been told it was wrong. He felt bad. He felt like he sinned against God. Hmm. So to put things right, um, he thought that he had to do something for the greater good. So he cut off his own penis. <laughs> And ended up for the in greater the good. Yeah, and he says that uh, makes now, sense. Yeah, he figured his explanation about his uh, motivation to mutilate his genitals. <laughs> he told re reporters that he's a religious man despite his drug habit, hmm. and um, he considered use uses of drugs sinful. Okay. And but he's aware that he's addicted. Okay, so what's the problem? So he decided to sacrifice his penis to atone for his sinful ways. Oh, my religion does not allow me to take cannabis. After I smoked it, I was worried that something bad was going to happen to society. I chopped off my penis for the greater good and repent my actions. Hmm. I don't know if whopping off a an appendage is uh Well, it's not only that, it's like <laughs> it's, it's, for his religion too. Well not only that, you think about this. Okay, so here's one guy and he has a religion. Okay, whatever. And he feels because he did something, smoked pot, it was so bad that something bad was going to happen to society. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah. So one guy out of like how many billion people? Uh, smokes weed, so now God's <laughs> going to punish the whole society. Yeah. So instead of that, yeah, that's just like, oh, what kind of <laughs> ego does he have? It's not, is he yeah. the Pope of India or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, what? what is that? That doesn't make sense. No, I mean, he could have scourged himself, himself or whatever it is. Well, you know, yeah. So anyway, like but, that, you know. but they, they were able to sew the penis bed and get it back on. So he oh, was good. rescued, but... <laughs> um, they don't know if it's going to work. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Because he had cut it into several pieces. Oh. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com.
show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 10.50 a.m. Don't forget that number. And for you young people who got here by accidentally fat-fingering your FM band selector, we're an AM radio station, and AM refers to more than just the time of day. How you doing? This is Gary Garver. In today's society, the majority of people are not getting enough sleep. I know I'm not. If you're like me and having problems getting a good night's rest, whether it's health or stress-related, I have a solution for you. South Pacific Sleep Lab. South Pacific Sleep Lab will do an evaluation of your sleep pattern and will provide a comprehensive study so you can start getting a restful, peaceful night of sleep. They take all types of insurance, which will cover your cost of the evaluation, and they will even provide transportation to their offices at no cost to you. For more information, contact Tony at 310-999-1887. That's 310-999-1887. Tony even stays awake all night, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, so you can sleep better and rest easy. South Pacific Sleep Lab, start feeling better and getting a great night of sleep today. This is Judge Herb Dodell, and our show is called For the People. It's available every Monday at 4 o'clock, 4 to 5, and we'll be talking about all kinds of things pertaining to the law and how it really works from the inside, as opposed to to the outside. So tune in and learn all you need to know about the legal system and how it works. Tune in to KCAA Radio every Wednesday at 4 p.m. for Coffee and Cash Flow with Stephen and Anthony. Stephen Crawford and Anthony Skinner share their expertise of financial markets and offer a unique perspective on retirement security and the impact that Wall Street and Washington have on your retirement income and your overall quality of life. Coffee and Cash Flow looks beyond the propaganda of Wall Street in Washington for a realistic perspective of financial markets and the rules that control the game. Tune in for Coffee and Cash Flow with Stephen and Anthony every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. right here at KCAA Radio 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, and online at kcaaradio.com, the stations that leave no listener behind. KCAA Loma Linda. Listen on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. Hi, 